Let me just mention, uh, I did uh, show our video during Sunday school of our ministry, Wisconsin Fellowship of Baptist Churches. Uh, let me encourage you to stop by our display out there. We do have uh, copies, uh, current copies of the uh, Badger Baptist Express. Now, those of you that uh, know from the past, we used to mail that out, and uh, we ran into problems with the post office on the way we were mailing it, and we would have had to go to great expense to change that. So we, we've just gone with an online publication. I'm sorry for some of you that aren't online people, I don't have contact with the internet, you'll just have to get your preacher to make you a copy. And I encourage pastors to do that for, for people that are not. But I know many of you do probably have internet access. And uh, our website is wisconsinfellowship.org. Those come out um, every other month. And in fact, uh, in April, we will be having uh, another edition of the Badger Baptist coming out around the 20th of the month or so. And you can go on the website. There's a link right there. You click on it. You can either read it right there on the computer or you can print it off and uh, read it in hand, however you choose to do that. But let me encourage you to, uh, uh, to be aware of that. And, uh, and, uh, then, but you don't even have to do that for, this, for, for, um, uh, for February's edition because there are copies, nice color copies back there. So uh, if you want one, take one. There's also a prayer card uh, that has all the pastors and wives uh, by name set up on a monthly basis so you can pray for all the pastors and their wives in a single month's time. And uh, so pick up one of those cards as well. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to talk to Carol or myself. We'd be glad while we're here to answer any questions you might have about our ministry. Uh, we're basically ministering statewide, um, traveling all over the state. Uh, we'll be in uh, West Salem over by La Crosse ne next uh, Sunday. We'll be out of state the following Easter Sunday. Then we'll be in um, uh, Waukesha the last Sunday of the month. And so uh, we're basically traveling on Sundays, preaching, ministering, as we're doing here today here at uh, Spooner Baptist Church. Um, just want to say personally, thank you for your faithful support of our ministry. Uh, that support makes it possible for us to minister to the churches across the state and uh, be able to be a help to, uh, to our pastors, uh, to our church planning ministries. Those three that we're currently supporting are, do have their pictures on the, on the display back there. Uh, the uh, church in Hillsboro, Lighthouse Baptist, uh, the church in Kiwani, that's uh, Lake Shore Baptist, and the church in Mequon, that is uh, Sh uh, Shalom Baptist. So I encourage you to, to, uh, to remember those ministries in prayer as well. Um, we also have, uh, currently we have uh, eight churches that are without pastors. Now you know what that's like because a couple of years ago you were in that position, but God has brought you a good pastor and pastor's wife here. Uh, but let me encourage you to pray for uh, these ministries right now. Uh, Faith Baptist Church in Chetek, uh, Point Baptist Mineral Point, Mount Ida Baptist, Mount Ida, uh, Victory Baptist in Oshkosh, Faith Baptist Pembine, uh, Faith Baptist Waukesha, First Baptist Wapaka, and Union Grove Baptist in Union Grove. Uh, we're also praying about the ministry in Shano. That ministry closed down a year, uh, a year ago in, in December. And uh, we're praying that God will raise up the right man. We do have finances to get that ministry restarted, to restart that ministry, and to be able to see a church uh, uh, restarted there in the city of Shano. So appreciate your prayers for those uh, areas of ministry. And uh, we just trust that uh, you'll pray for us as we travel across the state. And uh, we trust the Lord will uh, continue to bless our ministry. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Ephesians 
the sixth chapter. The book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter. I'm going to begin reading in verse 10. And if you'll follow along as I read Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins good about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today that we do have the privilege of coming into your presence. We thank you for the shed blood of the cross. We thank you, God, for your willingness to come and die on the cross and be our substitute and our Savior. We're thankful today for the freedom of our nation that allows us to assemble here, uh, to minister the word, uh, to be a witness, to serve you, And we're thankful for all the blessings that you have extended to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would direct in our time this morning as we look into the Word of God, minister to our hearts, and just strengthen and encourage us in your Word. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here today who's never received the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, that today they might realize that you died on the cross for them. You shed your blood so they could be saved and help them today in an act of faith and a decision of the will to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. Minister to our hearts now as we look into the Word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Some of you may remember uh, several years ago about uh, Rodney King out there in Los Angeles and got into altercation with the police department. And and, uh, his words were this, can't we all get along? You know, that would be great, wouldn't it? Never have any fights, war, never have any problems, just have everything go well and everybody be friendly and nice and so forth. The reality is, as believers, we are in a battle. We are fighting a war. Charles Hodge, who is a uh, uh, Bible scholar of a past day, refers to it as a protracted conflict. Quoting Hodge now, he says, The spiritual battle is real and arduous. He says, Salvation, however gratuitous, is not to be obtained without great effort. The Christian conflict is not only real, it is difficult and dangerous. It is one in which true believers are often grievously wounded and multitudes of reputed believers entirely succumb. It is one also in which great mistakes are often committed and serious loss incurred out of ignorance of its nature and of the appropriate means for carrying on the conflict, unquote. You know, believers, many times, just out of sheer ignorance, uh, are refused to say, well, I want to 
I want to stand for the truth. I want to be willing to fight the warfare against evil and against the devil. And instead, they choose a course of collaboration and appeasement with issue with with the with evil. In defending their actions, they they often claim to say, "Well, I want to. I don't want to fight. I want to love." Well, you know, if you think about true love, uh, true love. Uh, is uh, an important principle. Jesus said when he was asked about the most important commandments in the, in the, in the law, he said that we should love God with our, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, the second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we think about that as the greatest commandment, to love God and that, that important truth. But obviously, if you're going to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then you're going to have to hate evil. It's required. It's going to have to happen. You can't love something and, and then love the opposite thing. And uh, Jesus made it very clear uh, that uh, you cannot love God and mammon. You can't love God and this world. You're going to, you're going to have to make a choice. And so as we think about the fact here, as uh, Paul is writing here about the warfare of the Christian, uh, he talks about the Christian life is a practical result of the biblical love in the heart of the believer, and it means that we're going to love God, then we're going to have to hate evil. Having challenged the believers of Ephesus, and by the way, um, Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, is writing to what is predominantly a Gentile church. There are certainly Jews there, but uh, it was primarily a Gentile church. And so Paul is writing here to, to this uh, mixed group of people, Jews and Gentiles. And if you know anything about the, the, uh, the, the uh, uh, relationship of Jews and Gentiles, there is no relationship, at least not historically. And uh, yet uh, Paul has a church here made up of these people. In chapters, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and, and uh, primarily chapter 3 and even up into chapter 4, Paul is talking about unity. He's talking about the fact that Jews and Gentiles are, are alike in that they're saved and they need to be able to get along. And then in the, fourth, the fifth chapter, he talks about the walk of the Christian. And he's, he's challenging the Christian about walking in the right way. And, and he talks about uh, redeeming the time. And he, he talks about because the days are evil. And, and he talks about all these things that, that we're going to have to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and so forth. But he talks about the walk of the Christian and the responsibility that we have to, to walk in this life in such a way as to bring glory to God. Now, as he comes to the end of this epistle, beginning in verse 10 of chapter 6, He's really talking about the last subject that he's going to talk about before he closes out this, this letter to the Ephesian church. And so he's challenging them uh, about biblical unity and godly walk. He's also challenging them, in a sense, a call to battle. A call to battle. And again, you might say, well, I don't like fighting. Well, it's uh, when you got saved, uh, you uh, joined the army, Okay. And uh, if you didn't want to battle, then maybe you should have just stayed unsaved, although I wouldn't recommend that either because that, uh, that does not have a good outcome. But as you think about the fact here, his closing challenge here is a call to enlist in God's army and to prepare for the fight, the ongoing battle for the truth and the spiritual warfare. And he's talking about the preparation for the conflict. You know, a soldier doesn't just say, well, you know, I'm going to be a soldier. And he goes out, he goes down to the, you know, the uniform store, and buys himself a uniform and 
goes down to the sporting goods and buys himself a gun and he goes out and he says, hey, I'm a soldier, I'm all ready to go. No, there's certain preparation process that is involved if a soldier is going to be a soldier. And, and you know, every believer needs to realize the importance of, of enlisting in God's army as a believer and committing yourself to this conflict, this battle. And then, of course, what we have to do is we have to divest ourselves of our human ability and strength because, you know, as Paul's going to tell us here in this passage, this battle is a unique battle. It's not like anything that you're aware of or, or you're, you're accustomed to in the physical world and your relationship with other people because it's a totally different thing. And so it becomes, for the believer, a matter of faith, a matter of trusting God for, for His enablement, for His direction, and for His protection and provision. And the challenge takes the form of enlistment into God's army. So if we're going to claim God's power and might and we're going to be able to be in this battle and we're going to be able to experience victory in this war over truth, uh, then we're going to have to take some key steps. And I think Paul identifies those steps here in the passage before us. Notice in verse 10, he talks about the resources. Now, these resources are supernatural. They're divine. Notice what he says there, finally. Again, the word finally is simply saying, this is, this is kind of my final statement, my final argument, my final section of truth I'm going to be dealing with. He says, my brother, he's talking about believers. He's writing to these, this group, mixed group of Jews and Gentiles in the Ephesian church. And then he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, the army with the best resources the most secure supply lines, and effective logistics is going to win the protracted war. And those are key principles of warfare. and They're, they're necessary if you're going to win ultimately in that battle. And as we're talking about here, the, the battle of a spiritual life and the Christian life is a life which is to be lived by God's power and by God's amen. And God has promised to meet his need. And so Paul simply here says in verse 10, we need to be strong in the Lord. Not in your own strength, not in your own ability, but it's an act of faith whereby you avail yourself of Christ's resources in the battle that is coming and the battle that is, that is at hand. Now, two things he says here in this verse. He says to be strong in the Lord. Now, let me just say here that it, this is a passive verb, and it is somewhat identified by the word be there, be strong. Um, it has the idea of be strengthened. It's not just you know, strengthening yourself, but it's to let God strengthen you is the, is, the, is the idea here of this verse. And he's simply saying here that we need to have the strength of the Lord's presence. We need to be strong in the Lord. Now, of course, that demands, number one, that you're saved. And secondly, it demands that you have an ongoing relationship with the Lord. That means you're spending time with Him in His Word and prayer and fellowship with Him. And you're, you're actually in, 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 in that ministry, you're working together with Him. And so you're allowing His, His presence to strengthen you and to enable you for that battle. And then He says, not only are we strong in the Lord, but He says, we'll be strong in the power of His might. It's not your strength. You're not going to be able to win this battle by your own strength. Uh, sometimes people think, well, you know, I'm just going to, uh, you know, fight the devil. No, you can't fight the devil. Not in your own strength, because he's, he, he, is, he is a supernatural being. 
He's, he has abilities beyond your strength. And so you're going to have to have the power of the Lord, the power of His might. You're going to have to have His enablement if you're going to be able to carry on this fight and you're going to be able to be successful in this fight that, that is to come. And so he says here that we, we need to be in His, uh, in his presence, in, in His person here and availing ourselves of His might. Jesus portrayed that truth over in uh, John chapter 15. Uh, in, in that passage, if you remember, Jesus talked about the vine and the branches. And he said, except that the, the branches um, uh, you know, are connected to the vine, that's where they're going to get their strength. We all understand that. Um, I went out in my yard this last week and, and uh, cut, cut off some, some, some things and uh, did some pruning. And those branches... I'm going to let them dry out and burn them. They're, they're not going to do anything because they got disconnected from the tree or from the branch and, and they're, they're not going to grow anymore. Well, he's simply saying here, if you're going to be successful in this spiritual battle, then you're going to have to be connected to this power source and that's Jesus Christ. You're going to have to have His power. You're going to have to be able to claim His power and that's going to be a matter of faith. Reminds me uh, in the Old Testament of Gideon. Remember in the book of Judges, Gideon is facing the Midianite army, and it tells us that the Midianite army is literally uncountable. It's so huge that they don't even tell you how many people there are. And Gideon has 32,000 soldiers. And, uh, you know, God's already told Gideon, you know, remember Gideon's fleece and all that kind of thing. Uh, Gideon wasn't exactly the example of the courageous commander, okay? He was, he was kind of a fearful person, I think. And he had 32,000 men to fight against this huge, monstrous army. And God says, wait a minute, that's just too many. So he says, okay, you need to go tell the troops, if anybody is afraid and doesn't want to go out to battle, just tell them to go home. So 22,000 went home. He has 10,000 left. And you go, oh, wait a minute, this is, this is really bad. And God says, no, it's still too many. And he says, so he took them down to the stream there, and they were thirsty, so he said, get a drink. Well, he says, everybody that flopped down on their belly, you know, and, and drank, he said, those people, you tell those to go home, the only ones we're going to keep are the ones that knelt down and brought the water up to their mouth, because they were still looking around alert about what was going on. And there were 300 men who did that. And then he didn't arm them with weapons, he gave them a trumpet and a pitcher with a, with a, a, a light source, so probably a candle or, or some kind of an oil lamp inside the pitcher. So they had a trumpet and a pitcher with a light in it, and that's all they had to go out and rout the enemy. And what happened? Well, they spread themselves around. They blew the trumpets. They broke the pitchers, the lights. The, the Midianites were afraid and fled, and the whole army was routed by 300 men. You see, God is... In the, in, in, in the matter of, of bringing victory through his power, not through human ability, not through the normal things that we would think of as strength, but God's strength is his enabling power to use us in this spiritual battle. And so the question is, how are you doing in the battle uh, out there, the, the battle for truth, the, the, the battle for righteousness, and you think about that battle that's ongoing. Paul says here, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his night. You see, we're going to have to avail ourselves of the resources that God has promised us. Now, secondly, he tells us who the enemy is. Notice verse 11. 
put on the whole armor of God, that be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So he tells us the devil's involved here. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul's challenge here gives us the reason why believers need to claim his resources. The battle is a spiritual one. It's protracted over human history. And he says these, these forces are actively pursuing our defeat. And so he says here, his word, he gives us the practical dressing of the soldier here. He says, put on the whole armor of God. By the way, he lists that armor. If you go down to verse 14, talks about the loins, girded with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and uh, he says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. All of these weapons, all these items are defensive, except for the last one, the sword of the Spirit. Everything else are defensive armor. Now, I think he has in mind here the Roman soldier, because these are the, these are the very pieces of, of uh, military accoutrements that the, that the Roman soldiers used in Paul's day. So he takes something that people were aware of and they would understand. And he says, listen, this, this is what it's about. It's a spiritual battle, though. He says it's going to have to be have, have these, uh, the, the, these very things because he talks about the, the principles here of, of truth and righteousness and the gospel. He talks about faith here. He talks about salvation. He talks about the sword of the Spirit. So he's obviously talking about spiritual things. Now, why do we need that? Well, let's go back to verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil has, uh, he's he's got everything all figured out. You know, the the, the devil himself is the one that is heading up this this onslaught uh, against the Christian and in the world today. And as Satan, uh, the Bible tells us he's a slanderer. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's wielding supernatural power and crafty methods against us. And we are not, in our own strength, going to be able to defeat the devil. We're not going to be able to do that. In fact, uh, the writer of Scripture tells us that we're to resist the devil and he will flee for us. And then we draw an eye to God because we're going to have to get his protective care and his his protection and and enablement. So we look at the the wiles here of the devil, the crafty uh, opponent that we have, this, this devil. And of course, all we have to do is look through Scripture. And you can see time and time again where the devil, even, even his temptation of Jesus, he tempted it about, about food. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and he said, well, you could, you could just turn these stones into bread if you're really hungry. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If, 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 if the Father had wanted me to eat during these 40 days, he would have provided food for me. And then he went on, showed him the kingdoms and, and, uh, of the earth and told him to fall down and worship me and I'll give you those kingdoms. Jesus would get those kingdoms one day as the, as the ruler over the earth during the millennial, the millennial age. But Satan said he can have it right now. And then, of course, he said, just he took him up to the pinnacle of the temple, the very high point of the temple. He said, just cast yourself down. You know, the, you're a protected person. And uh, nobody's going to let any harm come to you. So you just jump off and, uh, you know, the, the angels will protect you. And Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. 
You see, we, we can see here the devil has all kinds of methods and, 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 and things that he's using here to try and, and trip us up. And then, if that isn't bad enough, verse 12, he says we're wrestling. I thought of the clinging conflict here. If you've ever wrestled or watched wrestling, I'm talking about real wrestling, not the, not the, not the WWF stuff. That's, uh, that's all uh, uh, theatrics. You understand that, I hope. Um, I'm talking about real wrestling, like you did in maybe high school or you, your, your high school team would have had. And, uh, you know, you think about that, that wrestle. You know, it's a, it's a very personal thing because it's you against one other person. And uh, it's very personal because you're, 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 you got a hold of each other and it gets very personal. I, I was involved in wrestling in high school and it's a very personal thing. And, and so what does he say here? He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not talking about a human opponent here that you can physically defeat. He says, but instead you're talking about principalities and powers. Those words are speaking about, I believe, of the fallen angelic host, the angels that fell into sin with Satan, and they make up this, these echelons of principalities and powers here. And then he talks about the, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And Jesus identified the fact that, uh, that uh, sin is, is identified with darkness. In John 3, verse 19, he says, he talks about the fact that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And so he talks here about this, this, uh, these uh, rulers of the darkness of this world. And again, there's so many examples of that, not only in our day, but even biblically speaking. And uh, examples of, uh, of that. And then he, go, then he continues, he says, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, wouldn't it be nice if all the people that were in high government positions, you know, all the elected officials, all the judges, all the people who have responsibilities like that, if all those people were righteous people, if all those people were godly people, if all those people had, had biblical motives and were committed to doing what's right, the reality is how many times are those people, in fact, some of those wicked people, some of the people, most people without any kind of, of uh, 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 principles of what's right, and so, again, he talks about all this spiritual wickedness and all this, the, the, these people in, in, in these positions, and he says their, their, their power is so great. Now, we can't deal with those in our own strength, and that's where we have to go back to verse 10. That's where we have to be in the presence of Christ, and we have to, we have, to have His power, we have to be strengthened by Him, and we have to, 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 to avail ourselves of His might, because that's the only way we'll be able to defeat the devil. Turn with me to the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, if you will, for a moment. I want to see an example here uh, of this. Daniel, of course, was dealing with some, some challenging things in his day. In Daniel chapter 10, <clears throat> and this is, a, this is a situation where Daniel's getting revelation from God. <clears throat> Notice there in verse 12, <clears throat> He said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Now, this is, this is, um, this is God speaking to, to Daniel. And he says, From the first day, I, I, I've, I heard what you, your prayer. I, I heard your concerns. 
But he says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, twenty-one days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I'm come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. For 21 days, uh, God's messenger was stopped by uh, some a person in a position of darkness here uh, to keep the word uh, from getting to Daniel, the messenger. And you again think about, you know, uh, the, this this warfare the, 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 we're talking about war a warfare in the spirit world and since we can't function in the spirit world it's impossible for us to deal with that in our own strength and our own ability so we have to go through Christ and let let Christ enable the, that fight to go on and to deal with it. and so we have a great foe but we must remember and I this is one verse that that I continually go back to and that is greater is he that is in you than he's in the world we need to keep that in mind. Our, our Savior is greater than all these forces of darkness, all, all of these wicked people who are in prominent places. Yes, uh, they, they, can, they can have their little petty kingdoms and they can pretend like they're all-powerful, but ultimately Christ and God is in control and ultimately His will is going to be worked out. And so what we need to do here, uh, Paul is simply reminding us here that we have to go back to verse 10. We have to be strengthened. We have to have his might because the, the, these people that we're dealing with, the, these forces, these spirit, spiritual forces, uh, they're beyond our power to defeat. So what's our response? Well, look at verse 13. He says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So he says, put on the armor. He's already listed the armor. I'm not going to de- de- detail that. Uh, here, but uh, he lists the armor here. He says immediate action is necessary if we're going to ward off the oncoming attack by the powers of evil. So being a soldier isn't enough. We have to have the right training. That's not enough. So in immediate action to deal with this the impending onslaught by satanic forces. So it goes back to verse 10. We have to have the power of Christ. We have to be with Him and fellowship with Him and letting Him uh, work in, in our lives. Now, notice the two things he says here in verse 13. He says, take unto you the whole armor of God. Okay, that's uh, verses 14 through 17. And then he says, uh, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Literally, the idea of withstand means to stand against. To stand against. It means, to, it means to put up a resistance in the coming evil day. Warfare involves the taking of ground and remaining on the field at the end of battle. One of the great battles of American history is the Battle of Gettysburg. And of course, if you know your Civil War history at all, you know that the Union Army, particularly the Eastern Army, the, the, the Army of the Potomac, uh, lost uh, a lot of battles, most of the battles, in the early uh, two, two and a half, three years of the war, they got to Gettysburg and, and uh, providentially uh, they met there. And I, I, I'm thankful. It was a three-day battle. Uh, I'm thankful for um, some of our great Wisconsin regiments, the 2nd, 6th, and 7th Wisconsin, that arrived on July 1st and they got there in time to, to uh, stand against the Confederate armies that were moving in from the north, in, just on the north side of the Gettysburg there. And uh, 
because they were the ones that held off the Confederates until the whole UN army could get there by the next morning. And uh, during the night, they moved down through the town and they found themselves on the Missionary Ridge uh, there and they, they found themselves in a very defensible position. And uh, uh, the, those, uh, those regiments paid a price. The second Wisconsin was literally decimated on that first day. And uh, they were never going to regain their strength as a regiment uh, because of all the losses there. But it was because of their losses that uh, the Union Army was able to find itself in a very defensible position. And, and uh, you know, um, the Confederate Army under, under Robert E. Lee, uh, they tried uh, both flanks. Uh, they, they tried to attack on Little Round Top. And they tried to attack on Culp's Hill. That was the, the two ends of this fishhook line that the Union Army w- was entrenched on. And then on the third day, of course, uh, they thought they were going to hit the middle. So they sent what we know today as Pickett's Charge, uh, 13,000 uh, fresh troops into the center of the Union line there at the high water mark. And, and uh, barely a few men got to there and, and faced them, but were not able to break the Union line. And, and so what happened? Well, the Confederate Army had to, leave the, had to leave the field, and they went back south. They went back to, the, to, to Virginia and so forth. And as I said, warfare involves the taking of ground and remaining on the field after the battle is over, and that's what the Union Army did. And that was a great Union victory. In fact, I'm convinced that it was the, the turning point in the Civil War, even though up to that point the Union Army had had, had almost all defeats, and yet, uh, it, was, it was the indicator of, of what was going to happen and the things to come. Well, Paul says here uh, that we need to stand. We need to, we need to have the courage to stand against these spiritual uh, opponents that we have. And we're going to have to do it with Christ's power. We're going to have to have the courage to do that. And how does that manifest itself in our lives? Well, it means, uh, it means in our home we have to stand Uh, in teaching our children about the truth and teaching them to do right. It means in our community that that we have to have the courage to stand up for what's uh, right in our our community. It means in our our culture, in our world today, it means we have to have the courage to to have uh, principles of righteousness and stand up for those things. And Paul says here, we're going to have to withstand. We're going to have to withstand this evil onslaught in the evil day. And then he he says, not only stand against, but he, he says we're going to stand... He continues in that verse. And having done all to stand, I think that has the idea of a positive stand. We need to stand for, for, for what's right. We need to have the courage to stand up and, and take the necessary steps to be in that place of victory. And so, you know, God is calling these believers in Ephesus to take their stand in the spiritual battle. And I believe, I think it's legitimate for us to say for us as well, uh, we have every bit as much of a battle going on today for the souls of men and women. And we need to be committed to, we, to stand uh, for the truth and be willing to stand up in our day for, uh, for the truth. And so as we think about what Paul's saying here, uh, we need to commit ourselves to be soldiers, enlist ourselves in God's army, and commit it to the battle, and then claim that power of the Lord Jesus Christ and enable ourselves with that power to do His will and to see victory in our lives as Christians. Now maybe you're here today and you say, well... I, I've never even trusted Christ as my Savior. Well, that's the first step, friend. That's, that's how you get in the army is you get saved. You join the army. You receive Christ as your Savior. You trust Him 
uh, to take away your sin and be your Savior and, and uh, work in your life. And then once you've done that, once you've made that initial decision, then you can be involved in the battle and you can have victory through Christ and you can avail yourself of His power and you can serve Him faithfully and be committed uh, to that important battle that we're facing for the souls of men. You know, it's great to know, it's great to know that the battle's already been won. It was one at the cross. It was one at the cross. Remember what Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross? The one thing he said that is the most significant thing he said was, it is finished. And when Christ said on the cross, it is finished, he doomed Satan and every person who who rejects salvation in Christ uh, to an eternity in hell. And he also guaranteed uh, the salvation of those of us who have received Christ as our Savior, those who, of us who are born again, those who, who us are trusting in the Lord. He has, he has guaranteed that we will be in heaven with him for all eternity, enjoying the victory that he's provided at the cross when he said it's finished. It was, all, it, it was done there. Now, of course, there's still a lot of stuff to be worked out. That was 2,000 years ago. There's still things happening. But listen, the battle's already won. You know, that's, uh, that's the thing that we need to cl- cling to today as believers. And uh, we need to say that it's worth it for us to commit ourselves to stand with Christ for the truth. Let's pray together. Father, I pray today.